This morning we were going to uh, continue our series entitled, Who's Kidding Who? But in light of what has unfolded in the last few hours in our city, I want to talk to you uh, about a very different matter. I want to talk to you about what you do when disaster strikes. The worst mass shooting in the last 30 years has taken place in Orlando. Over 50 people, they now say, are reported dead. Over 50 more injured. In what can only be described as a, a senseless act of domestic terrorism. What, what would cause a, a 29-year-old man to walk into a nightclub at 2 o'clock in the morning and just randomly and discriminately take lives? It is... It is a picture of the world that we live in. And it's the reason why what we do is so very important. I told this in Psalm 50. God says this, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. So God, that's what we do. We come to you this morning. And we call on you in the day of trouble. We come to you, O oh God, recognizing that you are there. Your words are true. Your promises stand. Your strength is immeasurable. And Father, we thank you that, that we can stand on the promise that is often quoted and rarely lived out, that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. God, we recognize today that our city is in great need of healing. And so we ask this morning that you would guide us, that you would help us to operate not in a posture of arrogance, but in a disposition of humility. That we wouldn't be so busy that we could not take time to seek your face, to cry out to you. God, we, we confess our lack. We confess our busyness and chasing after the things of the world rather than chasing after things of you. And we realize this issue of being salt and light, that it is so significant and we mourn the loss of sons and daughters of neighbors co-workers and friends and God we ask that you would use this unspeakable tragedy to cause our eyes to be open to the need that is around us and Father, we commit all of this to you. 
In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. I, for some time, I have been making this statement as we would gather together, that the church has to go from being a come-and-see institution to a go-and-tell institution. That the church cannot hide in its holy huddle while the world operates in darkness. And friends, today is a sober reminder of how fragile life is in all that those around us face. It is time, make no mistake, it is time for the church to arise. Let me say it again. It is time for the church to arise. Now here's what I understand. I understand this, that, that there will be those, as the, as the story unfolds, there will be those who will use what has taken place in our city as a means to attack religion and the religious community. They will do so because what has happened was perpetrated by an individual who is purported to be someone who has ties to radical Islam. And this tragedy that has taken place, it it was in a nightclub that is, is known to be a homosexual nightclub. And they'll talk about how the church hates homosexuals. Let, Let me make this very clear to you. Listen to what I'm telling you. Those of you that are gathered here, those of you that are watching live stream, those of you that see this on television, the church does not hate anyone. It is almost impossible to describe how much we love and care for you and how much our heart grieves what has taken place. You see, for God so loved And we're saved by grace through faith, not by works. We're not any better or any worse than anybody. We've just come to the understanding that that God has this wonderful way of, of rescuing us from the challenges and the issues of life. And we come to Jesus just as we are and are a bunch of imperfect people who are navigating this thing called life together. And and yes, we are imperfect all of us but we are so grateful to know that there's a God in the midst of difficult circumstances that there's a God who loves and cares for us yes Orlando has experienced the worst mass shooting in our country in the last 30 years friends Tragedy, disaster is, it's nothing new. You see, yesterday in in Orlando, someone lost a loved one. It's not reported on the news, but it's tragic. This week, someone came home from work and they, they found a note that said, 
our marriage is over. It, it won't make national headlines. But it's a tragedy. It's past Monday morning. The doctor gave the solemn news that there's nothing more that we can do. And for one, their, their world was crushed. We, we live in a, a time, we live in a place, we live in a space where disaster happens, where, where tragedy strikes. When an accident happens and it throws every one of our future plans out the window, when we're not going where we plan to go in life, when we walk away from a freshly dug grave, how do we find the strength to go on? There's a man in the Bible who asked the very same questions many years ago. Jeremiah in about 586 B.C. Jeremiah saw not just his city, but he saw his nation being ripped apart. Tragedy upon unspeakable tragedy. So many brutally, senselessly killed. So many others drug off into slavery. And, and as he watches this unfold, he writes two books. He writes the book of Jeremiah and he writes the book of Lamentations, the book of Laments. And he, and he, and he talks about just all that, all that he's going through. He says this in, 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 in Lamentations chapter 3. He says this, we have suffered terror and pitfalls, ruin and destructions. Streams of tears flow from my eyes because of the destruction of my people. He, a chapter earlier, says this, I have cried until the tears no longer come. There are parents who can make that statement as they deal with the tragic loss of their child who was gunned down in a nightclub in Orlando just after 2 o'clock this morning. My heart is broken. My spirit poured out as I see what has happened to my people. So what do we do? What do we do when tragedy strikes? What do we do when disaster comes knocking on our door? Well, from what Jeremiah wrote in Lamentations, we, we see four things that we clearly do. And, 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 and the, the very first thing, and it just absolutely makes sense, the very first thing that we do is we, we focus our attention on God. That's the first thing that we do. We focus our attention on God. And it's real easy to get caught up in all of the, the, the issue of the moment, right? And the urgency of the moment. It says this in Lamentations 3.25. It says this, The Lord is good to those who hope in Him. To those who seek Him. It is good to wait for the salvation of the Lord. Right? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. See, we have this hope. The writer in Hebrews talks about this hope. It says we, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul. And in the midst of 
difficulty, in the midst of challenging times, in the midst of tragedy, it would be real easy to ask the question, where's the hope? Where's the hope? The hope is not found in who governs us. The hope is not found in an institution, a company, or an organization. Let me tell you this. Oftentimes, people will look for hope in religion. And listen to me. Religion is absolutely hopeless. But those who hope in the Lord, right? Here's what the Apostle Paul says. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. It's a living hope that we have. And so we find our hope in the Lord. And so in times of difficulty, we are reminded that we should focus on Him. That we should focus on Him. There's a song that we sang in church back in the day, and it said this, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Jeremiah says this, when life is heavy and it's hard to take, we go off by ourselves and wait for hope to appear. It's what, it's what Jesus told us to do. Jesus said this. He says, find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to, to role play before God. And, and when we do that, the, the focus shifts. That's what tragedy tends to do. Have you ever noticed this? That in, in a time of tragedy, everything slows down. Right? And, 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 and we, we, we start to focus on that which really matters. There's, there's no place where you can be where time moves more slowly than in a hospital waiting room. Because it all comes down to one thing, doesn't it? When we live in this world where life is so busy, I often say this, that if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And I think one of the greatest, one of the greatest issues that the world is facing today is this, is that Christians are too busy to be about the business that God has truly called us to. We live in a city that needs to know the reality of Jesus. And Calvary cannot be about an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and 30 minutes on Sunday morning. We have to go out into the highways and byways and compel them. Right? Here's what the Word of God says. It says, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Christianity is about much more then now I lay me down to sleep and God's neat, let's eat. 
We have to grasp this. When we become so busy, it's not that we don't care. It's not that we're callous and indifferent. It's that we've allowed the issues of life to get us so busy. Right? And it's in moments like this, when tragedy happens, that we, we, we find ourselves coming back into focus. When Jody and I were married, um, one of the wedding gifts that we received was this little plaque. And it, it, it said this. It says, slow me down, Lord. Ease the pounding of my heart through the quieting of my mind. Steady my hurried pace with a vision of the eternal reach of time. Give me in the midst of confusion of my days the calmness of the everlasting hills. Break the tension of my nerves with the, smooth, with the soothing music of the singing streams that live within my memory. Help me to know the restoring power of sleep. Teach me the art of taking many vacations, slowing down, to look at a flower, to pat a stray dog, to chat with an old friend or to make a new one, to watch a spider build a web, to smile at a child or to read a few lines from your word. Remind me each day that the race is not always to the swift, that there is more to life than just increasing its speed. Let me look up into the branches of the towering oak and know that it grew great and strong because it grew slowly and well. And help me to focus on you. Not my loss, not my worries, not my stress. In Jesus' name, amen. In the midst of difficulty, in the midst of tragedy, it's important that we focus and that we, that we not focus on the problem but we focus on the promise and, and, the, and the, one who, who, the one who brings the promise. It's, we, 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 we need to refocus. The, the second thing that we have to do is this, is we, we have to ask God to remove our fears. There are some who walked in here today and knowing that they were coming into a place and gathering with a lot of people, there was that thought, can it happen here? In fact, there, there are some who were so gripped by fear today that they're not with us in worship because fear paralyzed them and they could not leave their home. That's what fear does, doesn't it? Here's what fear does. It, it, it paralyzes our potential. It, it, it robs us of relationships and it sabotages our success. And what what the enemy wants to do is he wants to use a situation like what has unfolded in our city early this morning to absolutely imprison you in fear. I can't go out into public because I don't know what's going to happen. I can't allow myself to go out into the highways and byways as, as the Word of God tells me. I, I can't be a participant in the Great Commission because it puts me at too great of risk. And in tragedy, we deal with all kinds of emotions. We'll, we'll feel confusion, doubt, anger, frustration. We, just, we deal with all these different emotions. But, but the one that is the most deadly is, is fear. See, grief doesn't paralyze you. Anger doesn't paralyze you. Frustration doesn't paralyze you, but, but fear does. Fear, it paralyzes us. And here's what Jeremiah says in Lamentations 3. From the bottom of the pit... 
and in great despair, I, I cry out to you, O Lord. And when I begged you to listen to me, you heard my cry. You answered me and told me, do not be afraid. It's an affirming word that God gives us to us over and over and over again. Fear not. Fear not. Do not be afraid. Most often it's tied to this truth. Fear not. Why? Because I am with you. That's why the psalmist could say this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. And, and, and in, 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 the, in the midst, in the midst of a paralyzing situation, we can call on God and, and we can ask him to, to help us deal with fear. How do we do that? Well, real quickly, just a side note. The Bible tells us this. The antidote to fear is this. It's truth, love, and faith. Truth, love, and faith. Right? You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. That, 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 the, the Word of God makes that very clear. Okay? The second is love. Right? The, the Bible says this. It says, there is no fear in love. Why? Because perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love drives out all fear. And the third is this. The third is faith. Okay? Let, me, let me tell you how faith works. Faith does not eliminate the feeling of fear. Let, let me say that again. Faith does not eliminate the feelings of fear. What it does is it gives you the courage to do what you're supposed to do in spite of how you feel. Let, 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 me, let, me, let, me, let me make an honest confession to you. There is never a time that I have to come and stand on this behind this podium and speak to you that I'm not fearful. I do not fancy myself as a public speaker. Uh, it's, if God doesn't show up, y'all are in trouble because I probably wouldn't get one complete sentence out. It is, it is the love of God and the call of God that compels me to do what I do. This isn't something that I'm comfortable doing naturally. I, I don't, I don't, it's not something that I aspire to do. It's something that I'm compelled to do. And every Sunday... I am fearful. What if I forget everything that I've studied? What if I get up here and I have this, I have this, this electronic device? What happens if this thing doesn't work and my mind goes blank? Because I've got all these people that are going to be staring at me and they're expecting me to say something. And a wise man speaks because he has something to say. A fool speaks because he has to say something. I always want to be the former, not the latter. Right? And so I find myself going, oh, please, dear God, please. And yet, consistently, over and over again, God shows up. It's, it's fear that keeps the Christian hiding behind the church walls. It's faith that causes the Christian to go out into a scary world. To share to those who are living without hope. That God loves you just as you are. And God accepts you just as you are. And God has something better for you. 
have to deal with that issue of fear. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me, freeing me from all of my fears. The third secret to finding strength in the midst of a tragedy is believing that God will restore you. says this in the 27th Psalm, I would have despaired unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David said, I, I, I would have been wiped out if I hadn't trusted in God, if I hadn't believed in God, if I hadn't expected that God would help me. In this world, you will have trouble. And one of the things that happens in situations like today, people say this, if God really existed, then how could he allow something like this to happen? Understand, friends, that God did an amazing thing when he gave mankind free will. And you could not experience life that you experience. You could not have the freedom that you have. You could not enjoy the creativity that you have. You couldn't embrace the destiny that is before you without having free will. But this issue of free will, not only does it give you the opportunity to experience joy, not not only does it allow you the opportunity to to engage in that which is good, it also gives mankind the freedom to do unspeakable evil. Which breaks the heart of God. But it is impossible to give man life and to give man freedom and to give mankind the opportunity for relationship without allowing evil to exist. And here's what's interesting to me. When people say, if God really exists, then why would this happen? They never say, wow, look at all these great things that are happening. That must mean that God exists. Right? We only attribute to God those bad things. We never talk about the wonder of a glorious sunrise and say, look, God exists. But he is. He is an agent of hope. He's the author of hope. He's the the deliverer of hope. And and, and you can can believe that God will will restore. In nineteen thirty-nine. A new class of submarine was being built by the United States for World War II. And one of the first in this class was a, a boat called the Scopus. And it, uh, it tragically, as they, were, as they were just putting it through its paces, it, 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 it tragically and very quickly sunk. And uh, on the, the 23rd of September, 1939, and it sunk into about 285 feet of water. They got a rescue crew out there quickly. 26, 26 um, crew members were instantly killed. 
They got, they got a, a, a crew out there, a crew of divers out there, and, and as they went out there attempting to rescue, and they ultimately rescued 33, uh, 33 crewmen. But as they were, as they were attempting to do this, one, one, in, one uh, rather ingenious uh, crew, crew member inside the boat starts tapping against the hull. And in Morse code, this is what he tapped. Is there any hope? Is there any hope? You work alongside. You have neighbors. Your classmates are tapping against the side of the hull. And this is what they're tapping. Is there any hope? In fact, much of the great tragedies that happen, much of the issues like what we're facing today are a result of individuals who have reached the point of saying that life doesn't matter, there is no hope. And friend, you, collectively we, must be agents of this reality of hope. And know that our God restores. You know, I, I've said this over and over again. I've said it before, I'll say it again. That I'm excited about the future of the church. You know why I'm excited about the future of the church? Did you not see all those young people baptized? Church is alive and well, friends. But here's what we have to do. We We have to reach out to a loving God and believe that he'll restore us. Expect him to, trust him to. That's what Jeremiah did. After losing everything, this is what he prayed. Restore us, O Lord, and bring us back to you again. Give us back the joys we once had. See, we, we serve a God who, who specializes in new beginnings. See, he helps people start over after tragedies and, and crisis and bad things. The, the Bible calls it being born again. This issue of new life. I, uh, I, when I was... First starting out in ministry, I was a youth pastor in a, in a church in Atlantic, Iowa, about halfway between uh, Des Moines, Iowa, and Omaha, Nebraska. I used to tell people, it's not hell, but you can see it from there. And um, it's a thriving metropolis of 7,700 people. Um, yeah, the, the, the big restaurant in town is called Van's Chat and Chew. That's when you know that you've arrived. And... Uh, and so, uh, anyway, we, we, had this, we had this family that they, they owned a, a large farm right along the edge of Interstate 80. And one of their sons was messing around and he, and he caught a, a field on fire, a hay field. Scorched it, burnt to a crisp. And it was just black, charred, lifeless. It looked horrific. But after a... After a few months, that charred 
earth, it, it started to change color. And about six months later, it was the most beautiful green that I think I've ever seen. Why? Because God has the ability to take a scorched earth and, and bring amazing new life. See, I, I believe this. I, I believe that moments like what we find ourselves in as a city that they are moments that in the present seem very dark. I, I've never in all my years of ministry I've never received so many emails or texts from people saying that they're praying for my city. I, I never imagined that the national news would be talking about something that happened in my town. I, I've seen it in Columbine. I, I've, I've, I've read about Newtown. I, I understand Fort Hood. But those are out there, right? It's not my backyard. I, I can feel for those people. I can pray for those people. But it didn't really affect me. These are my neighbors. There's a man in church here today that his son walked out of that nightclub less than five minutes before the gunman walked in. By the way, let me say this. That's the power of a praying father. I've been there. I... Um, a few years ago, I received a text from my daughter as I was flying from Minneapolis to Denver. And uh, just technology, the ability to be online, I was able to get text messages. And there was an active shooter in my daughter's high school. She was not in the classroom, but she had walked by the hallway as all of this drama was unfolding. We live in a real world. And God has given us, as a city, let me, let me bring this down a little bit tighter. God has given us, as a church,
in the midst of this unspeakable act that God did not orchestrate. But certainly, because of how much he loves mankind, will use it to say to us, child of God, you must wake up. Church, you must arise. And here's what we cannot do. We cannot hide and cower in fear. But what we have to do is we have to turn our focus towards God. We have to turn our focus towards God. Let him deal with the natural fear that's a result of living in a scary world. Let him be the orderer of our steps, knowing that he's a God who saves, delivers, heals, restores, and renews. I want to end my message today with what I began my message with. Psalm 50. Call upon the Lord. When you find yourself in trouble. Why? Because he will deliver you. If my people. Who are called by my name. Will humble themselves. Pray. And seek my face. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. If we weren't aware that our land needs healing, friend, today you don't have to turn on the national news, you can turn on the local news. But our God is more than able and he stands at the ready. He will never circumvent the will of man because he's given us free will. But if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, will you humble yourselves Pray, seek his face, and turn from your wicked ways. Because that's the answer for Orlando. That's the answer for America. That's the answer for the world. I want you to stand with me. I believe that God has given us a clear directive. Let me tell you this. As a church, we have reached out to the city. We have reached out to the mayor and we have told them that all of the resources of Calvary are available to assist in any way we can assist. 
There will be those in the Christian community that will say stupid things about what has happened because the nature of the nightclub. This is not God's judgment. It is not God's wrath. It is a despicable act of domestic terror because God loves people more than anything. And because God loves those who are involved, we love those that are involved. So our heart grieves for those who have lost loved ones, those who have lost domestic partners, those who have lost sons and daughters. We're praying for everyone that's in a hospital right now fighting for his or her life. And we pray for every family, family member, loved one who is in a waiting room right now listening to the minutes tick by. The church doesn't stand in judgment. We stand in sorrow. We stand in solidarity. And we stand in hopeful prayer. And we, as a church, we will show the love, the love, the love of God to a segment of our community that has been ravaged by tragedy. And the most important thing that we can do is pray. We are a church, we, we honestly acknowledge that we are a Pentecostal church. We can make noise when we worship. I've heard it. I've heard you clap. I've heard you cheer. I've heard you do all of that. I believe this. I believe that we should be as boisterous and crying out to God in prayer as we are in expressing worship and praise. This is not a church where we believe that you have to be somber or quiet. Why? Because we deal with real life. We are real people. And so we're going to just take just a moment. I promise you this will not be long. But we're going to take just a moment and we're going to pray. We're going to pray for our city. We're going to pray for those who lost loved ones. We're going to pray for those who are fighting for their life. And I want to challenge you. Do not be a spectator in this moment. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Well, I don't want somebody thinking I'm a religious nut. I don't want somebody. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. It is time for the church to rise up. So don't worry about the person on your left. Don't worry about the person on your right. Don't worry about the person in front of you or behind you. 
Nashville. Let's take a moment and let's cry out to God for our city, for our neighbors, for our coworkers, and for our friends. Come on, church, let's pray this morning. God, we do. We come to you, and we come to you recognizing this unspeakable tragedy that has happened in our city. But God, we come to you not in desperation. We come to you in faith, knowing that you are a God who restores, knowing that you're a God that renews, knowing that you're a God that heals, knowing that you're a God that delivers. And so, Father, we pray. We pray first for those who have lost loved ones, for those who have lost partners, for those that have lost children, for those that have lost mates. God, we pray that you would be the God of all comfort, that you'd be the God of all peace. God, that you would invade their space right now, that you would bring a strength to them, that you'd bring a, a hope to them, that you'd bring an understanding to them. God, that you'd bring a, a sense of your presence to them like they've never experienced before. So God, we speak this over them in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray for those that are fighting for their lives right now in, in hospitals here in Orlando. God, we, we speak your presence into that room. We, we speak your excellence over those doctors, over those caregivers. We speak miraculous healing power to come into that place, to invade that space. Father, we thank you that you are no respecter of persons, but you love all, for God so loved the world. God, because you love them, we love them. Because you care for them, we care for them. And God, because it's your heart that they walk whole, God, we pray that they would be whole in Jesus' name. Father, we pray for family members that are in hospital waiting rooms right now, God. We pray that you would be there with them, that you'd be their comfort, that you'd be their peace, that you'd be their strength, that you'd be their hope. Father, we pray for our city. We pray, God, we pray for our city that this would not tear apart our city. We pray for our city, God, that this would not bring reproach on our city. We pray for our city, God, this would not define our city. We pray for our city, God, that it would not be destroyed by this, but that it would rise up as a result of this. God, we pray for our city that this would be something that would cause it to come together. We pray for our city, oh God, that this would be something that would cause our city to run to you. God, we pray for our city that this can be used to be the catalyst to bring about a great outpouring of your presence and your power and your peace and a dynamic of your Holy Spirit like Orlando has never seen. God, we recognize that for so many this seems like a scorched earth in our city, but God, we thank you that you're going to use this to bring new life, to bring new hope, to bring new peace, to bring new joy, to bring new destiny in the name of Jesus. So we claim victory over this, this unspeakable thing where the enemy thinks he has such great victory. God, we speak your victory in this situation because your word declares that you will restore, that you will renew that you will strengthen, that you will bring peace. God, I pray, I pray for this church. God, I, I pray for this church. I pray, God, that this moment would not be a moment where this church retreats in fear but God that we would recognize this as a wake up call that we must be about your business that we must go out into the highways and byways and compel that while we don't compromise holiness 
we understand that we can accept without endorsing. That we can accept people just as they are without endorsing. And we can demonstrate the unwavering, unconditional love of a God whose heart is broken over what has happened in our city. And desires to respond. And he desires to respond through us. So God, here we are, your church. We are available for you to commission us to whatever task you have for us. However you want to use us to impact our neighbor, to touch our friend, to influence our workplace, to bring renewal and hope to our school. We are your hand extended. Pour us out, oh God. Pour us out, oh God. Pour us out, oh God, into our community. That they will see the reality of your love, the strength of your hope, and the joy of your peace. We bind the enemy, we declare him a defeated foe, we speak victory over your church, we speak victory over this city, we speak victory over our land, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for Calvary Connect. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for our Sunday morning worship experience each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. We are located right off I-4 at 1199 Clay Street. To connect more with Calvary, visit our website at calvaryorlando.tv. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for watching and God bless.